Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Laboring in Employment, a monthly podcast series on Asia employment law issues. I'm Clarence. And I'm May. We are part of the Simos and the Simos employment team. In today's episode, we will be looking at China's personal information protection law, which was recently enacted on 20th of August 2021. May, am I right in saying that this is an important legal development as the PIPL marks China's first comprehensive data protection law relating to personal information? Yes, that's right. The PIPL is framed as an extension of the PRC's constitution, and its stated purpose is threefold, namely A, to protect the rights and interests of individuals, B, to regulate personal information processing activities, and C, to facilitate a reasonable use of personal information. Moreover, the PIPL is due to come into effect on November 1st, 2021. This gives employers a very short window to put in place the necessary requirements so as to ensure they are complying with the PIPL when it eventually becomes effective. Gosh, that's really not a lot of time. And am I right in assuming that the PIPL is going to add another layer of complexity for companies seeking to do business in China? Almost certainly, yes. I think I mentioned in a previous podcast episode that the PIPL will sit alongside the data secret law and the cyber secret law. From a data privacy perspective, companies will need to adhere to and comply with the requirements of all three laws going forward. This is often easier said than done. It's probably a good thing we have you on air to help explain some of these new provisions to us. So to start, Perhaps you could let us know what the PIPL is intended to cover. Of course, the PIPL is intended to cover the processing of personal information, which is defined as information related to individuals recorded electronically or by other means, which has been used or can be used to identify such individuals, excluding anonymized information. This reference to information which can be used to identify an individual echoes quite strongly of the definition of personal data under the GDPR. Um, And the GDPR makes reference to information relating to an identified or identifiable natural person. An identifiable natural person being someone who can be identified directly or indirectly by reference to an identifier. Yes, we we do sense that the legislators in China take reference to the GDPR and other rules in different countries to a certain extent. It is also worth noting that this definition of personal information also goes beyond the definition in the cybersecurity law and the civil code, both of which define personal information more narrowly as information which can identify a natural person directly or in combination with other information. I see. That particular narrower definition in the cybersecurity law, as well as your civil code, is actually quite similar to how uh, the Singapore uh, Personal Data Protection Act defines personal data. So, right from the get-go, it appears that the PIPL is intended to be more far-reaching since information which, on its own, 
would be insufficient to identify someone could still amount to personal information if it is somehow related to that person. Yes, the PIPO also introduced a category of sensitive personal information. This refers to personal information that, once disclosed, is likely to result in damage to a person's dignity or cause harm to personal safety or property security. For example, biometric identification information, religious beliefs, especially, uh, specifically designed status, medical health information, financial accounts, information on a person's whereabouts, or personal information of minors on the age of 14. And how does the PIPL regulate the processing of personal information? Mm, the PIPL sets out various criteria which must be satisfied in order for a data subject's personal information to be, pro to be processed. The one you would be most familiar with is the requirement for consent before a data subject's personal information may be processed. In this regard, consent must be given in a clear and voluntary manner, with the employee aware of what they are consenting to. I'm guessing what this means is that the employer would need to explain the purpose for which the personal information is sought. Exactly. This would be similar to the consent requirement under Singapore's personal data protection law. In the absence of consent, the processing of personal information is still permitted, so long as it's shown to be necessary or permitted under PRC law or administrative regulations. In this regard, the PIPL introduced a further ground that was not present when the draft PIPL was published earlier this year. That is, the processing is necessary for conducting HR management in according with legally adopted labor rules and systems and legally concluded contracts. This is good news for employers. <laughs> Indeed. And perhaps you can, you can explain a bit more on what constitutes this necessary basis. Um, the PIPL does not give precise details, unfortunately. In practice, an employer may generally seek to collect various personal information from its employees for labor management purposes, including name, gender, data and place of birth, national ID or passport number, address, bank account, general health in, uh, conditions, educational background, work experience, emergency contacts, and immediate family members, and etc. That That seems to be quite beneficial for employers, since within the employment context, many things can be subsumed under the guise of HR management. Well, not really. Any personal information that is processed must be proportionate to need for information. Employers also have the burden of dem demonstrating the necessity for the personal information and must take necessary steps to protect the personal information. In practice, many employers have already used privacy notices to obtain consent from employees, interns, candidates for the collection and processing of their personal information during the hiring or employment process. We anticipate that the use of such privacy notice will continue to be effective even after PIPL becomes effective on November 1st, 2021. And is this rule the same for sensitive personal information? 
Um, yes and no. Uh, no, because an employer should not process sensitive personal information unless there's a specific purpose for doing so and the sufficient necessity. The employer will also need to put strict protection measures in place. This makes sense, since sensitive personal information has the propensity to cause serious harm to an employee if it is wrongly disclosed. Indeed. In fact, employers should obtain a separate consent from employees prior to processing any sensitive personal information. In this regard, and similar to the processing of personal information I talked about earlier, privacy notices are again an effective tool for employers and that we anticipate that such a practice will continue. May, we often advise companies on their data protection obligations when personal data is transferred to third parties. Are there similar obligations under the PIPL? Well, this is a very good question. And yes, while an employer needs not, uh, does not need to obtain consent to process personal information for the purpose of uh, HR management, this does not extend to the transfer of personal information to a third party, even if it is for HR purposes, such as payroll management or private health care insurance issues. I'm guessing that the employer will need to obtain separate consent from the employee before it will be permitted to transfer personal information in such a scenario. Yeah, that's right. The PIPL suggests that the express, uh, express consent for each specific purpose is required and that the employer should provide name and the contact information of the third party as well as the reason for the transfer of the personal information to a third party. Would this be the same requirement for sensitive personal information uh, if it were to be transferred to a third party? Yes, if sensitive personal information will be transferred to a third party, it will almost certainly be prudent for the employer to do likewise. Thanks. And what about the cross-border transfer of personal information? Those of us who work on matters involving PRC law, uh, we generally understand from a fairly early stage that the transfer of data out of China is often very risky. With that in mind, what considerations apply in the context of cross-border transfers of personal information out of China? Yes, this is a, a very uh, sensitive issue because China have different rules regarding data transfer from uh, out of China. So generally, there are three conditions that have to be met for the transfer of personal information out of China. One, uh, you need a specific consent from individuals for the of the data subject to be transferred out of China. Two, carry out an impact assessment. And three, to satisfy one of the four special conditions as listed below. A, to pass a security assessment. Two, have a certification by a specialized agency. C, a concluded contract according to a standard template provided by the Cyberspace Administration of China with a data recipient out of China, and D, meeting any other conditions provided under relevant laws and regulations. And would this apply even if the transfer was to an overseas parent company or affiliate of the Chinese company? 
Yes, this would no exclusions if the companies are affiliate companies or parent company or uh, subsidiaries of the companies. As long as the data will be transferred out of mainland China, all the requirements will be met before transferring. I can foresee that this has the potential to create uh, fairly significant issues for big multinationals and conglomerates with operations within China, since cross-border data transfers, for example, of employment records, are usually part and parcel of everyday operating uh, practices and also necessary for business efficacy. So what are some immediate actions that employers should consider to ensure compliance with the PIPL? Yes, we usually advise the employers and the companies will need to review their existing policies and updating their privacy notices to ensure compliance with the latest requirements of the PIPL. In some cases, this might mean executing cross-border data transfer agreements with their parent company or affiliated companies. At the very least, employers should obtain separate consent from employees for the transfer of their personal information out of China. And how about the transfer of personal information out of the PRC pursuant to the request of a foreign judicial authority or legal enforcement agency? For example, a US headquartered pharmaceutical company may be the subject of a DOJ investigation. And pursuant to that investigation, a subpoena is issued for various employment records of its Chinese subsidiary. Yeah, so the PIPL makes it very clear that unless approved by a competent authority in China, employers are not allowed to provide any personal information of employee, employees stored within any territory of China to any foreign judicial authority or legal enforcement agency. This is consistent with the requirement under data secret law, which has much impact on MNCs for dealing with cross-border investigations. I see. Um, one new feature of Singapore's uh, data privacy law is that a company's obligations in the event of a, of a data breach, uh, are there corresponding provisions in the PIPL? Yeah, so the PIPL do have certain provisions in this regard. Uh, the company has an obligation to report data breaches to the relevant supervisory authority. A data breach arises where personal information has been or may have been leaked, tampered with or lost. Information that must be provided in such a report includes A, the categories of personal information compromised by a data breach, and B, the remedial steps being taken to mitigate the data breach. And do data subjects have a right to be informed that they were the subject of a data breach? Well, that, that's really an interesting question. Uh, the PIPL does not make it compulsory for the company to notify the data subjects of the data breach unless the company is unable to take steps to avoid harm to the data subjects. The supervising authority may also direct the company to disclose the breach to the data subjects if it considers that the breach may cause harm to data subjects. Thanks, May. This segues quite nicely to my next question, and that is the rights which our data subjects have under the PIPL. Well, uh, 
the data subjects have fairly wide rights on the PIPL. Uh, in fact, this rights correspond with the rights on the GDPR in many ways. For example, the right to information, the right to access one's personal information, the right to correct one's personal information, uh, and the right to deletion, and etc. That being said, it remains to be seen how those rights will be applied in practice. Thanks, May. I, I'm conscious of the time, and we would, I would like to, to wrap up our discussion. Um, my last question pertains to the penalties under the PIPL. Well, yes, the supervising authority has wide powers to order a company to take corrective action, issue warnings, confiscate income, suspend services, or issue fines of up to RMB 50 million or 5% of the company's annual revenue for the prior financial year. And is that the worldwide revenue generated by the company? Um, the PIPR unfortunately does not make this clear. Unlike the GDPR, it's anticipated that more implementing rules of the PIPR will be issued afterwards, and we hope to have more clarification in this regard. Individuals also have the right to commence legal actions against the companies if their request to exercise their rights were ignored. Individuals could be compensated for the actual damage or illegal profit obtained by the company at their expense. It was noting that if there's any damage caused to the individuals, the employer should bear liabilities and other total liabilities if it cannot prove that it's not at fault. As such, it's quite important for a company to establish internal data protection system, which will be helpful for defending company. Thanks, May. That is really quite a lot to digest. Um, and on that note, I think it's time for us to round up this discussion on the PIPL. Uh, to you, the listener, I hope you found this episode interesting. And if you have any questions, do reach out to either of us. Please stay tuned for our next episodes. Until then, take care. Bye.